Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. I'm glad you're here. We're going to talk about something that I'm asked about so, so frequently, whether that's in my community, on my website, the support circles, whether it's in my Facebook group, wherever it is, in other people's Facebook groups, always these three questions come up. And when you are feeling stuck and second-guessing yourself, these are the first three questions that are going to come up. So I wanted to address them tonight, be very, very clear about my answer, maybe stimulate some thinking on your part, so that when you are feeling stuck and second-guessing yourself, you will know a good direction to go in. Now, I'm happy that you're here with me. If you're visiting for the first time, you're so welcome. And if you're a return guest, I'm delighted that you're here. I look forward to answering your questions and finding ways to communicate with you. If you enjoy what you see here, you can support this program by going to Save Your Sanity or no, 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 by going to patreon.com slash save your sanity. There you can make a one-time gift or a small monthly gift to support the work and make sure that we keep on here. This is episode 194, which means there's a whole lot for you that you already can have the benefit of. So go to patreon.com slash save your sanity and support the work so that other people can hear what you're hearing. And also invite your friends. Invite your friends to come in and listen too. It's very easy to do that. Just ask them to go and subscribe to the YouTube channel or like the Facebook page, and you will know immediately when that happens. Or you can join my Facebook group. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash hijackles, and you'll find me there. So good things to do, and if you want to learn more about my work, go to For Relationship Help. And if you want to work with me directly, I have a new client one-hour session for only $97 at BeAClient.com. BeAClient, B-E-A, Client.com. So there we have all the ways to get in touch. So let's start talking about what happens when you're feeling stuck and you're second-guessing yourself. Well, there's some wisdom in second-guessing yourself in this way, which means that you know that an emotionally healthy person will look at their part in any relationship, in any interaction first. Okay, what did I do? What did I say? What are the patterns that I've put out there? So asking yourself these questions, nothing wrong with it at all. The problem with it is many times you come up with a non-useful answer. 
And that's what I want to dispel in this episode. I want you to have a useful answer, an accurate answer to these questions. But it's really good to be self-reflective because you really want to be clear. Am I doing something? Am I contributing to this? Is this creating a problem that I am participating in? And then you may want to make some changes of your own if you see that you could do better. So that's all wise. But when you get into these three questions and you get the wrong answers, we need to really put these ones to bed so you can move on and not ask these questions again. Because they will keep you stuck. You know, am I? Is it me? What is going on? Second guessing. You know, is the hijackal right? Is that toxic person right? What they're saying about me? And then it can be paralyzing. You don't know what to do. And you're, you're looking for validation from family and friends. What should I do? What should I do? Everybody has an opinion. And you want to be a good person. It's kind of hard to believe that those hijackals don't seem to want to be a good person, right? <laughs> so these things all play into the important things we're going to talk about today. So when somebody doesn't seem to want to be a good person and doesn't want to uh, have equality, reciprocity, and mutuality with you, then you kind of grasp at straws, you know, I'll take almost anything. So you kind of have one hour of real joy and pleasure and feeling connected and loved. And it kind of makes up for six months of disinterest, neglect, and maybe some abuse. So you start grasping at those straws. Well, oh, they can't be so bad because I remember this. So I'll tell you a story about a client that I had probably 10 years ago now. And she, I'd been working with her for a while, and she came in. She had a big mark across her face. I said, what happened? She said, he hit me with a hairbrush. I said, he hit you, yes, with a hairbrush, yes. And she said, but, you know, three weeks ago, he brought me flowers and told me that he loved me. I said, and last night he hit you with a hairbrush, yes. So I had a big mirror in my office, and I moved her over there, and I said, does this look like a love tap? Three weeks ago, flowers and I love you. Very easy to do. To restrain from hitting you, to restrain from abusing you, apparently not so easy for him to do. Stop grasping at straws. Three weeks ago, he brought me flowers and told me he loved me. His behavior repeatedly had shown that woman that he didn't love her. Or maybe you just hearken back to, oh, well, in the beginning, it was all so wonderful. That person demonstrated that he or she loved me, that it was just glorious, it was wonderful, and I keep waiting for that person to return. Of course you do. If you're with a hijackal, they hook you on hope that that's the real person. And the actual fact is that's not the real person. That's a chameleon who's pretending to know you really well and really care so that he or she can get what he or she wants. And the real person is the one who is being dismissive and abusive, the person who's discounting you or degrading and demeaning you. That's the real person. So it's very important to understand that when this is going on, you have to see it clearly for what it is. Because good people want to go the extra mile. They want to give the benefit of the doubt. They, they want to 
have a little wiggle room, more than a little wiggle room, and then the hijackal takes advantage of that wiggle room, wants more room, try a little harder, do something more extreme, see if my partner or my kid or my parent balks at that. If they don't, I'll just push it more in my favor. I'll just be more difficult. And I know you don't want to live with regret, so you ask these questions for very good reasons. You know, you look at yourself first, as I said, that's healthy, that's responsible, that's good. And then sometimes you come to the wrong conclusion. So you want to be kind, you want to be supportive, you want to be thoughtful, you want to be understanding. These are all good things to be in a relationship. But you were with a hijackal. So stop. No, no. Don't go there. <laughs> Shut that one down. Have these things ever worked? Has being kind and supportive and thoughtful and understanding ever worked to change the behavior back to how it was when you first met? No. It didn't. If it had worked, we wouldn't be having this conversation. You wouldn't be interested in these three questions I'm going to bring up. But did it ever make the other person listen? Did it ever get their attention to be reasonable? Did it ever get them to take responsibility for their behavior? Did it ever cause them to be accountable? No. Hijackals do not take responsibility. They are not accountable. They are not thoughtful. You, you know that they know how to be because in the beginning they were when they were courting you, when they were working on getting you. They know how. It's not genuine. It's something that they know how to do. It doesn't arise naturally within them except as part of the, of the come on. But they do know how to do it. You know that. And then they choose not to which is just really, really sad. So let's look at these three questions because I'm just often asked these three questions and these three questions show that, yes, you're clearly saying, I want to be self-reflective and kudos to you for that. That's great. But on the other hand, repeatedly asking these questions and thinking that you're a good person by asking them over and over will lead to demonstrate to you that you have trauma bonds. And that's, that's not where we want to be. So what is the first question? Was it me? Was it my fault? Did I bring this on myself? Am I a bad person because they treat me poorly? Am I missing the mark? Am I really as bad as they tell me that I am? So you ask this question, was it me? Or is it me? And when you reflect on that answer, when you when you start to think clearly about it, have you ever done anything terrible? Now I know we all make mistakes. I don't mean in the in the natural and healthy ebb and flow of relationships, we're not always perfect. But compared to how a toxic person behaves, were you ever that way? Were you ever endeavoring to get something and pull the wool over somebody's eyes or threaten them or dismiss them or degrade them or belittle them or discount their opinion or gaslight them or blame shift 
any of those things, future faking, any of the things I've done episodes about, is that how you operate? The answer is probably a resounding no, but you are used to being told that you do what the hijackal does. Remember, what the hijackal accuses you of is usually a confession they're making. Let that sink in. What the hijackal accuses you of is a confession about their behavior. Now, it's not always 100% accurate that way, but a lot of the time it is. When they blame you for something, is to take the heat off you looking at them to see if they're doing it. So when the question comes out for you, was it me? You know, am I, am I the one who's ruining this relationship? Did I expect too much? Did I ask for too much? Was I demanding? The answer is probably no, but you were told that you did. So you end up asking yourself that question, was it me? Is it me? So as you look at that, notice if you start going into very specific places where once, twice, three times you maybe said the wrong thing or did the wrong thing. But by comparison to what is happening with hijackal on a regular basis, was it you? Probably not. In fact, there's a very high likelihood it wasn't you at all. You know, and this really shows up when you have hijackal parents, because the hijackal parent has to be right. The hijackal parent is in competition with you. And so there's always that question. You're always second-guessing yourself. You know, are they going to like me? And when we're little, it's not only do they like me, the underlying deep biological question is, will you feed me and take care of me so I will survive? And we start making ourselves into baby pretzels pretty early on if we have a hijackal parent because they're always telling us that we're worthless or useless or whatever. You know, my mother used to say at least weekly, if not several times a week, it's a good thing you're smart, young lady, because you're fat and ugly. You know, that, that was what she used to say. And so was it me? You know, was I fat and ugly? When I was 45 years old, I went and looked at all the photographs that my mother had and the photographs that I had looking for evidence of fat and ugly. Now, maybe I'm delusional, but I did not see any episode, any evidence for being fat and ugly. I do know that I'm smart, but I did not see any evidence for fat and ugly. And yet, that's what they wanted me to accept about myself. So hijackal parents will tell you it's you. You're the one who can never please them. Then they'll go to great lengths to say things like, you know, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. Or, I don't know why I had you. I didn't want children anyway. So it builds in you this question of, is it me? You know, is it me that's doing something wrong? Is it, and I'll say it one more time, just in case you're just tuning in. It's always wise to be self-reflective and ask yourself these questions. But once you know that the answer is no, then move on and don't ask the question again. Take action. So there is this big question. Was it me? Is it me? And that may be a question that you're asking 
And the answer is highly likely to be no, but you have been fed on a diet of everything is your fault. And so that kind of skews your answer to that question if you're not careful. So my invitation to you is to be careful with that. Sure, none of us are perfect. We make mistakes. We blurt things out. We get angry. We get pushed to the edge. But by comparison of what's going on, likely not. It's not you. So that's number one question. Was it me or is it me? And the second question that is very important is, was it or is it as bad as I thought? Now, <laughs> that's, that's an interesting question because um, it's, it's one that, that people ask themselves when they go um, and, and leave and then they're sitting and they are quietly away from the hijackal, and then they're prone to asking this question, was it really as bad as I thought it was? No, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't because you're lonely and you're sad and you're uncertain and maybe a little anxious and you start repainting the past, lightening it up, putting a little rosy glow on it in order to give yourself a reason to go back. And that's a big thing to recognize, that you will diminish, you will play down what happened to you and say, oh, it couldn't have been that bad. I didn't die. Now, if you had a troubling upbringing, or maybe you were neglected, maybe your parents were emotionally unavailable, maybe you had a hijackal parent, and then you get in a relationship with a hijackal, then you're told repeatedly, you know, you have it really good around here. You know, you have no reason to complain. And that builds something up in you that has you second-guessing yourself. Like, is this normal? I have people come into my practice and, you know, I have people all around the globe now coming into my practice who want to be my client. And we get to talking about it. And it is very, very, very normal for people to say, well, I went back because it couldn't really have been as bad as I thought. Once I got out of it, once I relieved my anxiety and I sat and realized, you know, I was lonely and it couldn't possibly have been that bad, there's a tendency to downplay the severity of what happened. And even if you are just escaping for the weekend from your relationship, you can start to play that mind game with yourself and start to diminish, to to reduce the trauma in your own mind. And it's very important to notice that tendency that you are willing to go and say, oh, well, it couldn't have been that bad. I survived. But if you had survival by having poor experiences when you were young, your ability to determine when you're being abused may be a little bit skewed. And so it's very important. So I invite you to listen to episodes that I've done on what is emotional abuse. And I actually have a new club that I created on Clubhouse. And if you happen to be using Clubhouse, you can follow me at, at Dr. Shaler at D-R-S-H-A-L-E-R. And I have a new club there, and it's called About Emotional Abuse. And we're meeting 
to talk about different aspects of emotional abuse. So come on over to Clubhouse at Dr. Shaler and uh, join in that conversation. But also, go looking. You can search uh, through podcast episodes for emotional abuse and listen to them because we tend to downplay it. You know, everybody has a bad day. Oh, they don't really mean what they're doing. Oh, I know they don't really mean what they said. They're upset. They're going through a bad patch. You know, if all that language sounds familiar to you because you play it in your head, examine that. Because when you're with a hijackal, it really is as bad as you think. It really is. But your own fear and anxiety of not wanting to be wrong of not wanting to make a mistake, of don't think you deserve better treatment, will all come into play right there. And then you will be asking that question, was it really as bad as I thought? And I want to say to you, yes, in all probability, it was as bad as you thought and even worse. But you didn't want to name it as abuse. Because who would stay if you thought it was abuse? Except someone who was used to abuse, Right. So many times people just don't want to call it what it is. It's emotional abuse. It's verbal abuse. Sometimes it's physical and sexual abuse. Sometimes it's financial abuse. They like to control all the money. They like to be the one who controls where you live. They like to be the one who controls the bank accounts and the car keys. And yes, that really is as bad as it sounds, and it really is as bad as you thought. So it's very important to recognize these things because they will wear you down and tear you down. And that's unhealthy. It's unhealthy for you, and it's unhealthy for your children to see if you have them. And it's emotional abuse. And emotional abuse, in my terms, is controlling another person by criticizing, embarrassing, shaming, blaming, discounting, dismissing, depriving, or denying their rights, their needs, their wants, their thoughts, their feelings, and denying them equality in the relationship. That is emotional abuse. If any of those things are frequently happening in your relationship, it's as bad as you think, and it is as bad as you thought. So don't second-guess yourself. Know that. And you don't deserve to have any of those things happening to you habitually. You don't deserve, and nobody does, doesn't deserve to stay in a place where you're constantly criticized, controlled, embarrassed, shamed, blamed, dismissed, discounted, or have your rights denied, or your thoughts, or your feelings, or your remembrances, or your preferences, or your plans, or your goals, or anything. You simply don't have that. You need to have equality in a relationship. So if there isn't equality in the relationship, if there isn't reciprocity and mutuality, those are the must-haves of a healthy adult relationship, as I talk about in episode 115. And if they're not there, it's not good enough. It is unhealthy. So yes, it is as bad as you thought. 
And then this big third question comes up over and over and over. And that question is, am I the hijackal or the narcissist? When you really get into recognizing that this person that you have in mind has hijackal tendencies, whether that's a parent or your partner or an ex or an adult child that you have or a sibling, or maybe your son or daughter has married a person with these tendencies. So you recognize what's going on there, and then they turn the tables on you. I always say don't poke a hijackal, right? Never tell a hijackal that you think they're narcissistic. It never goes well. Don't say anything about it, because you know what they're going to do. Boom, blame shifting. You say it comes right back into your face. So there is never a point in doing that. Don't poke hijackals. You know they don't like it and it ends up in rage or the silent treatment. And preferably it'll be the silent treatment so you can enjoy the silence for a while. But it never goes well. But so often as people reflect on this and they've been told so frequently, no, they're the one with the problem. They come and ask me, well, am I the narcissist? I'm beginning to wonder if it was me. I'm beginning to wonder if my partner, my parent was right. I'm the one with all the problems. Well, number one, if you're able and capable and willing to ask that question, it becomes far less likely that you are one of those things because you know they're not self-reflective. They're not asking that question. They're not saying to themselves, oh dear, am I a hijackal? No, 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 no. They're not going to ask that question of themselves. So when you're asking that question of yourself, it demonstrates the difference. So there's the first thing, that just by very asking that question, there's a high likelihood that you're nowhere near being a hijackal or have narcissistic tendencies because they just simply wouldn't ask that question. But when you get into this whole arena and you've been in it for a while and you're exhausted and you're, as I said, feeling stuck or second-guessing yourself or questioning your sanity, all of these things get muddled. And then you get into that fog, you know, that that you, you just can't think straight. And then, of course, that's when they continue to take advantage of you. So the question, am I the hijackal? Well, do you behave like a hijackal most of the time? Yeah, everybody's a little narcissistic now and again. Everybody's a little bit dismissive now and again. Everybody has a bad day or a bad moment now and again. But if it is not your regular way of being and it is not your regular turn of mind, it's not the way you see the world generally then the chances that it is you who is paying the hijackal are slim, very slim. But I'm glad you asked because then you can sort it out and you can say, do I behave like that person does on the regular? Likely not. Most of the time you're scrambling. Most of the time you're walking on eggshells. That's what you're doing while they are doing the mudslinging and the demanding and the controlling and the manipulating and the deceiving and the betraying and the lying, all of that. Do you do all those things? Then you're not the hijackal, right? But it is absolutely a good question to ask, and I hope you won't ask it again.
because now you know the answer is most likely no. And if you need you need to figure it out, if you need help with it, if you need to think it through, then you know you can always come and talk to me at beaclient.com. Because if that is, is a question on your mind, it needs to be put to rest and we can work it out and we can work it through. And that's really important. Another thing is that you can go and to relationshipchecklist.com, that's my site, and you can take the, the checklists. The one in particular is, am I in relationship with a toxic hijackal, right? Am I in a toxic relationship with a hijackal? Take that one. Take the relationship checklist. Find out what's going on in your relationship. Take the passive-aggressive checklists. They're there for you and they're free. So go over and and uh, check them out. Get some data <laughs> and then you will know. So here we have these three important questions. You know, was it me? Is it me? And was it as bad as I thought? Is it as bad as I think? And am I the hijackal? Am I the person with narcissistic tendencies? Work them all through. I believe you'll come up with the answer, no. Remember, everybody's somebody's idea of a hijackal on a bad day. But we're talking about patterns, traits, cycles, and behaviors that occur frequently. And that frequency may be every time they're unhappy. It doesn't have to be daily. But you can see the patterns, and they repeat and repeat and repeat. And that's what you need to be asking yourself about. Because you can drive yourself crazy by thinking it's you. Work it through. We can talk. And then find that the answer is no. And then put those questions to rest, put them to bed, and get on with deciding what would you like to do about this relationship. Then it's time for some clear directionality Am I going? Am I staying? Am I learning? Uh, do I need help to calibrate whether or not this is a good time to leave? And you know, I always say that if there isn't physical or sexual abuse, do the work before you leave. That's why I'm writing this new book that'll be out at the end of the year called Emerging Empowered, Breaking the Bonds of Emotional Abuse. I want you to emerge empowered from this relationship. I want you to be able to do that, to leave the relationship with good skills, a good sense of self, clear understanding of healthy relationship and how this is not, what to do, what to say, what techniques and strategies to try, how to calibrate what's happening. And then after you recognize it and realize what's going on in your life, then to recover and rebuild and have the life you want. So watch for that. Emerging Empowered, Breaking the Bonds of Emotional Abuse. And it's going to have a complete home study course to do online with it as well. So that will really help you. But in the meantime, before that comes, of course, there's the podcast. There's my YouTube channel. You know, my website is for relationship help, as it says. Um, I say so often for relationship help. And my YouTube channel has the same name for relationship help. Remember, too, if you enjoyed and get value from this program, 
Become a Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash save your sanity. Now, I hope I put something to rest in you, something that will stop you second guessing yourself and feeling stuck. And until we talk again, be really good to yourself. Because believe me, you matter. And I hope that you will treat yourself that way and teach other people how to treat you that way too. Take good care. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash save your sanity. Learn more about how to work with me by a video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.